you are now listening to the hot and sketchy podcast thank you for tuning in i'm your host lucy blue and today my guest is susan smiley susan is a neuroeducator and enthusiastic student of neuroscience she also wrote and directed out of the shadow a documentary based on her life growing up with a single mother who suffered schizophrenia. This episode, we chat about how she found herself in neurofeedback and what neurofeedback is. As much as I would love to try to explain what neurofeedback is, I'm going to let the expert herself get into it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Susan Smiley. Hello, hello. Hello, Lucy Blue. I'm Susan Smiley, and I am a neurofeedback practitioner. That's how we met. I am also a mom of an 18-year-old daughter and a former documentary producer-director. Actually, that's what brought me to LA a long time ago. That's such a transition of being in the movie business to transitioning into neuro. So I absolutely love real people and what makes people tick and what informs people's choices in their lives and their plights. I also had made a number of films involving folks with mental health issues or topics around mental health and wellness, things like that. In addition, there's plenty of mental health issues in, in my family, as there are in many families, right? But I, from a very early age, I had to kind of start understanding what are mental health problems and what aren't and what's normal, what's not. Um, my mom suffered from schizophrenia and she was terribly ill my whole childhood. I think I started thinking about these things from a very young age and started reading a lot about not only spirituality, but also psychology, mental health. What is the, what is the line between mysticism and madness? Because I saw my mom suffer so terribly and she was a really, really sweet lady who just got a bad lot in life mm. and, and also didn't have the supports she needed. There was also very little understanding about psychosis and what causes such mental health challenges. We have way more understanding now. And then she also had psychiatrists that threw a lot of pills her way, right? So she was literally on a polypharmacy of pills that just made things worse. I ended up making a movie about her and us. Yeah, a long time ago. It's called Out of the Shadow. Um, and it aired on television for many years and was translated in 12 languages and, and actually um, set me on a path of mental health advocacy long before I started doing neurofeedback. This, this was a long time ago now. When did I finish that film? Maybe 17 years ago. So it's, it's pretty dated now. We know so much more even now since I made that film. And so when I was seeking a, a, a change in careers, I, I had to change my career because I became a single mom and it was really hard to travel as a documentary filmmaker anymore. I was traveling all over the world and you have to travel for shoots and you're you know out for really long days. And I did not want to do that with a, a small child. So I needed to find an alternative career. 
So um, I was I was thinking, what can I translate my interests to? And I got into a graduate program at Harvard called Mind, Brain, and Education, and sort of the intersection of brain function, what is the brain versus mind, where's the nexus of our brain function and how we learn. Then when I was done with that, I came back to Los Angeles and decided to get into the field of neurofeedback because, you know, it falls under the category of alternative and complementary medicine. I didn't need a medical degree to do it. I didn't need to be a psychotherapist to do it. I just need needed to be knowledgeable about brain function and also get really good training and start doing the work. Essentially, neurofeedback is applied neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I had working, good working knowledge of neuroscience, but also really, really love working with individuals and wanted to be of service. Like I said, I really thought, I, I understood there to be a really viable place for the field of neurofeedback because uh, more and more people were looking for alternative ways to help mental their mental health challenges. And a lot of parents were looking for alternative ways to help their young kids with ADHD, and they did not want to put them on a stimulant medication, mm -hmm. understandably. And so it's a growing field. There's no question. I got into this field about nine years ago now. So uh, it is ever growing. I think a lot more people have heard of it, but still more people should absolutely everyone should know about it. Yeah. That's the part that amazes me is how it's so underrated and effective. Right. Like it's under the radar, right? Yeah. I, I will say the tide is changing. When I first got into this field, I spent a lot of time talking to psychiatrists and psychotherapists and you know school counselors about they all have what they're like what is neurofeedback what is this I've never heard of it and but I have patients who are asking me about it they want to know about it so people just doing their research and googling alternative treatments to ADHD alternative treatments to depression are learning about it it's pop pops up high in google searches right but the practitioners themselves had no idea what it was and so i have to do a lot of explaining connecting the dots because they weren't educated in it right but but it's based in solid science solid neuroscience and so when i explained uh, to these practitioners how it worked, they all had their aha moments and that paved the way for their patient or client to come work with me. I will say I'm not doing any of those calls anymore. Like the practitioners know it's out there and they get it. It's great. So uh, you learned this skill and you had to vouch for it to get your clients because it was so not spoken about in society. Yeah, I guess, but um, just way less, you know, since nine years ago, I've seen several articles about it in the New York times, for example, and in psychology today and a lot of major publications, but you're to your point, not enough. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it should be a household word. It should. So will you explain what neurofeedback is and what it does? Yeah, it's a very elegant technique, you might say. It's a technique, it's a tool um, that helps the brain help itself. In other words, the person who's doing it is doing all the work. 
their own brain is guiding the changes that are being made. So what happens is neurofeedback training helps neurogenesis. It helps stimulate the growth and connectivity of our brain cells, thereby making our brain stronger, more resilient, making a lot of challenges either decrease a great deal or in many cases go away. It helps people with sleep problems, you know, various cognitive, psychological, and neurological issues. When someone comes to do a neurofeedback training session, they, it would be great to hear you describe it, but um, from my standpoint, when someone comes to do a neurofeedback session, they come and sit in my really comfortable chair and kick back, uh, relax, and they watch a movie. Mm -hmm. um, but what makes watching a movie in my office different than watching it on their screen at home is that the picture gets small and big and small and big. And then the audio in the headset that they're wearing goes up and down and up and down. Well, those two things are the neurofeedback happening. That is sort of the dance that the neurofeedback technique is doing with your brain while you're watching the movie. There's sensory prompts, visual and auditory prompts that are helping your brain make adaptations. Okay, so we started with a brain map. So you were able to like identify the parts of my brain that needed more stimulation. And then you put these, these things, I try to explain this to people all the time, but I always get like scrambled with my words. So it's like you put these sensors on different functions like, let's say we're working on prefrontal, which is planning and organization. You'll put them here. Yeah, we start with a brain map. And once I have that with a client, I can see 55 areas of the brain and how they're functioning. So what I see in a brain map is clearly which areas are working too hard and then which areas are not working hard enough. You know, what we're doing with the brain map is we're measuring and analyzing brainwave activity. So we'd know that with that brainwave activity, that there's correlates in how a person is functioning behaviorally. When I have that map, then I can um, put the sensors that are on a person's head between say point A and point B, let's say the front of the head and the back of the head. And what I'm doing then is, is um, well, what you're doing the training is helping stimulate, it's training the connection between point A and point B. There's connections in neural networks, right? And we we have, neuroscience has mapped a lot of the neural networks, certainly not all of them. There's a myriad more to, yet to be discovered. But again, this technique is, is essentially applied neuroscience. So we're working with the neuroscience information that we have to date and training between areas that we know really help people. So for example, prefrontally, that's your prefrontal cortex. When this is trained more, it helps people with executive functioning tasks like planning, thinking ahead, analyzing, thinking before you act, things like that. So it helps with ADHD type symptoms mm -hmm. uh, working prefrontally. I um, love that one. I love when we do that. Yeah, you always love that. And then next level beyond that, beyond sort of our daily activities and um, planning ahead 
is peak performance. And a lot of people come to do neurofeedback for peak, you know, quote unquote, peak performance. You know, athletes will do it to be sharper, to get that little extra edge. Because obviously the athlete, a, a pro athlete is super high functioning, right? They are, but they want to get, be that much better to be ahead of their competition. Um, I work with a guy who's a venture capitalist and he initially came in for, Wait, what is that? What is he? A, a venture capitalist. He's he's um he raises money to uh, to for startups basically. Okay. Anyway, he initially came in for anxiety, which neurofeedback. That's the most common thing people come to neurofeedback for is help with anxiety. He just comes regularly now to be that much sharper, faster on it, you know, and and um so it's always keeps his anxiety bay, but this guy just wants to be top of his game, right? He's like next level. Um, so he sees it working so much that he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's, it's like an addiction and not an addiction, an addiction to self-improvement. Truly, because think about it. There's no, our brain is always adapting and growing and changing. Our brains adapt and change literally till the day we die. But the problem is old people, you know, have a mindset of I'm growing old, I'm going to die. And they don't, they lack stimulation and they don't, you know, do things. But the truth is, you know, we all know older people that are thriving, that are always learning, learning and growing and changing, right? Well, when you have the mindset of, I always, I want to, I want to keep exercising my brain not just by learning, but by doing things like neurofeedback, our brain will get even sharper, even faster, even smarter. I mean, it is, neurofeedback is a brain hack. It's an IQ hack. I could be working with a six-year-old boy who's jumping out of his chair in, in first grade because he's got ADHD mm. or right, a high level, you know, 40-year-old venture capitalist or an 80-year-old who's starting to be really forgetful. That's the cool thing about it. Let me explain wow. where it's at. It's going to explode just like acupuncture exploded. Everyone knows what acupuncture is now, mm -hmm. right? And it's neurofeedback is right behind that. But we're in a process now where uh, insurance companies are have to be educated about neurofeedback and what it is and 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 convinced that it's actually going to ultimately save them money because it, it helps people heal so fast and saves a lot of time and money on other um, other things. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not accessible to people without money. Although there, there are a lot of places, I, I know several places around the country, there's school systems that are bringing in neurofeedback systems and training people to work with kids. Um, That's what so I'm thinking. Like that just seems like an amazing answer to a lot of mental health is just putting it in school, like as a class. It's true. Well, there are a few initiatives going on. I think there's one initiative in the New York City public schools. I think there's an initiative in, I don't know if it's LA County. I know there's an initiative in the foster, with foster youth in LA County, but most of this stuff is funded by foundations or private 
you know, private um, donations. But there are some good people in the field of neurofeedback that are doing this work and getting it to children who come from really underserved communities and um, who you know, are really kids of trauma um, that can't focus in really school. need it. Who really, really need it and really, really deserve it. Mm. So uh, I'm hoping that the tide is going to turn that once there's widespread awareness about neurofeedback, that a lot more money is going to be coming to those kind of initiatives. Yeah, I feel like awareness is key with this one. Um, so when it comes to like medication, is can you balance doing both? You know, yeah. like someone take, let's just say Adderall mm -hmm. and also get neuro, would that counteract it or it, it can blend to help with ADHD? That's a great question. Neurofeedback does not counteract medications. So a lot of folks come to neuro, do on either one med or a few meds. And that's part of my intake. I get all that information on what medications someone is taking. But what's hap what happens is as they are doing neurofeedback and their brain is getting stronger, mm -hmm. what they find is they have they have less need for the medication they're on. Mm -hmm. I work with my client and their prescribing physician, and they work with their prescribing physician to slowly go take be able to take less of the med because your brain is starting to do the work it needs to do on its own. Mm -hmm. That's monitored all along the way during their training, uh, during their, the months I'm working with them. And so many folks come to do neurofeedback because they wanna get off medication. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that's a goal. And other folks just wanna get take less of it. So mm -hmm. whatever it is, I'm not judging that at all, but I do, I do help them on their process. Cause also a lot of people are afraid to go off their meds. Right. And when you've been on a dependent on a med for so long, uh, it can be scary to go off. You're like, am I going to be okay? The training. It's so exciting. It's such exciting work because your brain is starting to actually then do what it's always meant to do. Be more regulated on its own, be, be more resilient on its own. And those two things mean you're going to be depressed less often. You're going to have better quality of sleep. It takes a little bit of time because again, building up the, the, um, the strength of your neural networks and those nerve cells takes a bit of time, you know, where they're growing on a molecular level and changing and adapting. And that changes the, you know, the neurotransmitters and changes the firing patterns what happens when people are on meds, they start feeling over-medicated hmm. all of a sudden. Like, wow, I've been taking Adderall for how many years? And I suddenly, you know, feel like it's too much. I'm taking too much. Well, that it feels like you're taking too much all of a sudden because your brain is doing hmm. what it was always meant to do. This is another thing that's really helping convince psychiatrists and psychologists that neurofeedback is the real deal. Yeah, the real deal. So I started coming to you three times a week and then we got down to two and now I come, you know, once once a week, maybe other every other week and it's just for maintenance. So that's kind of how 
it typically works is like you get the ship in aligned and then it's just upkeep of that would you say I think with each person's a little different but you're right that is generally the trajectory is when people start neurofeedback I want them to come twice a week maybe three times but let's just say twice a week because your brain needs the regularity of the training to remember right you know we're training it's like going to a gym if you go to a gym once a month that's there's nothing bad about it it's great it's a positive thing but you're not going to see changes it's mm -hmm. going to feel good, but you're really not going to see lasting changes. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the gym regularly two or three times a week, those changes are going to come really quickly and it's going to be really exciting and it's going to motivate you to keep coming back and, and you're going to continue seeing positive changes. Well, neurofeedback's the same. Think of your brain as a muscle, the most complex muscle in the known universe, right? The mm -hmm. ultimate goal of neurofeedback is enduring sustainability, that your investment in doing neuro, not only your time, but your money is going to pay off for a lifetime. And that those changes are going to hold up for a lifetime. We start then making more length of time between each session. And that gives you and me the confidence like those changes are really holding up. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, those are going to last now. My investment is really paying off. The new pathways have been laid and it's like forging a new hiking trail. That mm -hmm. trail is marked and it is set. Those pathways are, are now totally adapted and changed to the newer, healthier ones. And they're not going to go back to the older less healthy ones. The most interesting thing for me was when you were able to look at my brain map and tell me that I lacked personal boundaries. I don't know how it works, but you put these things on my head and I meditated. And then you were able to tell me that you could see my brain, the color being extra blue in a certain zone meant that I lacked personal boundaries. That that's magic. That really resonated with you. Yeah, huh? because I totally was going through that where I was like battling boundaries and learning how to. And so that is stemmed from trauma ultimately, right? Perhaps uh, it's not always trauma, but it's certainly habits, right? We we get in habits um, where, we, you know, we learn things as kids, whether it came from traumatic situations or not whether it's from our parents or in school, we learn to be certain ways, right? So mm -hmm. that was really clear with you that, um, yeah, those areas, Broadman area five and six, which are up, up here, those we know those are neuromarkers for recognizing a boundary between ourself and others. Those are markers. So, so that's where the correlate comes in. Um, and that's why I was able to determine that. And, you know, you might have heard of Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. And he talks a lot about how the brain and body and nervous system have hold our past traumas. And, um, and until we heal and gain awareness, or another way of putting it, those habits, neurophysiological and physiological habits will stay in place until we train ourselves out of them or, or heal by using whatever modalities to heal. So anyway, that was really clear with you. And so yeah, we trained those areas and you started gaining greater awareness about 
yourself in relationship to other people and how to hold healthier boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, as you're gaining greater awareness, you might say cognitively on a neurophysiological way, we're, we're training those pathways to be stronger, you know, healthier, um, more, you know, we're bolstering the resiliency. So it's working hand in hand with your own cognitive awareness and the neurophysiological changes. It's like there's two parts. It's like the part of me that's aware that I I may lack personal boundaries, but then there's the part that still holds on to that, like the programming of the lack of personal boundaries, right? Like, okay, like, for example, when I get low, I know that I could just like be happy, right? But there's like something that's like holding on to that frequency of lowness in my brain that I need to untrain. And it's not just by like, be happy, smile, you know, like it's literally a, a muscle that I need to strengthen. You know, life has ups and downs, right? It, it just does. We have good days. We have bad days. We have low days. We have days when we feel great. And there's a healthy range of these things when, and we want to keep it that way. Um, you know, when problems arise for us is when we're too low, too often like chronically depressed mm. or chronically can't focus or chronically can't sleep and then, um, or chronically angry, right? So that's when our emotions are, are ruling us essentially. When in fact, a healthy way of functioning is when we have more balance and command over our emotions than they do over us. So we move through our emotions in a healthy way, right? When I would say before you started neurofeedback, you were kind of stuck, mm -hmm. some level of depression, right? And some level of not being able to focus and you just weren't happy um, at, or in some kind of rut, right? And so neurofeedback then allows a person to get out of that rut. And so as their thinking becomes more expansive, they're, they're also their, their brain function is becoming more expansive. I think I have a good understanding of the idea of how neuro works and it's like stimulating points to like get the brain to turn online and function where maybe like my prefrontal was like offline. So it like stimulates it, right? Yeah. Okay. So let me explain in a little different way that I think okay. hope works better. So um, yes, the, the neurofeedback is, is exercising and exercising is stimulating, right? It, and so we are, we are stimulating the brain to exercise in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And then that helps our behaviors to change. Okay. I would say like, for me, I started to notice it was like, I got this, this hope. I, it almost was feeling like I was like seeing the light again. Like I could like, I had motivation and I wanted to take action. And I like, all of a sudden I wanted to clean my room because I knew it would make me feel better. Like that, that like, that light at the end of the tunnel became more clear. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was like driven to take more action. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why like the, the car wash on the to-do list. It's like, I wanted to just like be peak performance, like, and where in the past, I just would have neglected my car for like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't need to, I don't need to spend money on getting my car washed. But now I'm like, how could I like show up the most dialed in? And this really genuinely has helped. And I'm, I'm looking forward to like seeing how this goes amongst like our society and in schools and makes a difference on kids' minds. Another great thing about it is you can be any age, right? It's so safe. You're literally watching a movie. That's what it is. I know you're literally watching a movie. And so the movie is just like, you might say the, the, um, the tool, right? I'm using that as a tool to help you know, give the brain the information it needs to make changes. That's what makes it so, so simple. When I first did it, I, I first did it for sleep problems. I had terrible sleep problems. Could not get through a night's sleep in years and years. I knew about it. I didn't need to be convinced that it worked. Um, I had actually interviewed one of the founders of Neurofeedback for a, a documentary I did a few years wow. prior to that. Literally within three sessions, I was sleeping through the night. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I had a lot of childhood trauma. I, I My childhood was difficult and I suffered from chronic depression my whole life. I'd been on and off antidepressants and 20, 25 years of psychotherapy could not help me kick my depression. And I was like, what is going on? I'm trying everything. I, I'm doing yoga, I run, I, I see a psychotherapist you know, antidepressants sometimes work, sometimes don't. But the fact is I'm trying to help myself. You know, I know now that our minds are only as good as our brains. There's a neural correlate to everything we feel. So I've done a lot of sessions, like hundreds, because I can, you know, I have the equipment, I can do it. And I, um, but, you know, here I am in my late forties and I'm like, wow, I could have saved so much money on therapy sessions and a lot of suffering have I had I discovered neurofeedback way earlier than I did. So how did you meet the guy who invented it? There's there are a few people who who invented it. I mean, it was actually discovered by accident in a lab in UCLA by Barry Sturman, who is in his late 80s now over 50 years ago. But when it was discovered, there are several people that that sort of took that discovery and then started creating equipment and doing, you know, doing their own investigations and tests. And oftentimes they're motivated by children they had that were really suffering that they couldn't find any solution for. Sue and Siegfried Othmer, their clinic is up in Woodland Hills, actually, they had a son who had severe epilepsy and there was no cure for epilepsy and the drugs were rough, terrible. Neurofeedback. It helped. Tremendously. So tremendously and has for countless people um, either radically improved the epilepsy or cured it. And then, and then there's, you know, the next level of studies was on anxiety and ADHD and lots and lots of studies over the years. We're about to do a session today. Yeah. If I've been feeling kind of like perfectionism, what area would we work on today? Good question. Well, to me, 
perfectionism, you're kind of a, a thinking about it too much, right? And B, there's a bit of emotion that's going into judging yourself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. judging yourself. So a lot of shame lately. So then I'm not only going to work prefrontally, but also um, back of your head where, where, you know, this is closer to our amygdala and hypothalamus and our, our stress response and where we kind of are, our emotions, the seed over our emotions. Okay. So, so I think with you, I'll work prefrontally and then also front and back. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to getting into it and Thank you so much for giving me all this amazing information on neurofeedback and sharing your story, which is so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful that you were, you felt safe to do that for the podcast. And I really feel like we can touch some lives. Uh, I really appreciate this opportunity and I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you. Lou. Thanks, right. Susan.